get connected with Take-Two Radio on Facebook or Twitter at Take-Two Radio. For email updates on future shows, follow at Blog Talk Radio. For previous episodes, upcoming guests, and more, visit Take-Two-Radio.com. And now, the fastest hour in paranormal talk radio. Welcome to the Mallard Report. It's the Mallard Report, the Mallard Report, the paranormal things and so much more. Jim is here to explore. It's the Mallard Report. It's the fastest hour in paranormal talk radio. It's the Mallard Report, the Mallard Report. Now your host, Jim Mallard. Broadcasting live exclusively on KJR Arkansas. My guest tonight is Nick Dismore, formerly known as Eugene. Are you still known as Eugene in some circles? In, in, in certain circles uh, around the world, coast coast like butter and toast, I'm known as Eugene. Yes. Well, well let's talk about alien, ancient aliens first, and then we'll get. We'll, I promise you, you want to talk wrestling, and I want to talk ancient aliens and paranormal stuff. So we're gonna meet in the middle. We'll talk some. We'll talk some alien stuff, and then we'll get some. We'll get into. I, you know, I, I, I was just talking to Nick Wrestler on the show before me, and it's it's something that all children have watched at some point in their life wrestling. So I have some interesting questions for you about that. But first, right. what? When did you get interested in ancient aliens? Was that something from a childhood, or is this something as an adult? Uh, it's more like the uh, the History Channel TV show. I, I just became intrigued with it. This is uh, uh, something that I liked, and I listened to uh, Coast to Coast sometimes at night, and just uh, all the paranormal and ancient aliens are some things that just intrigued me. So, do you do you, apparently you believe in it then? Pardon me? Or, do you believe in it, or are you just fascinated by it? I'm just fascinated. It's just something that intrigues me, and uh, just something, uh, you know, I like to, in my spare time, kind of delve into it and, and explore it. So... I guess, I guess my, my, my first question about this is, do you believe that aliens help people build the pyramids? Uh, I, I don't know if I believe, but I would definitely believe if, 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 if more proof was given, but I don't know that, uh, I don't see how we could have built them without them. Yeah, it does make you wonder. I mean, I don't want to do it today. I mean, I don't want to gather up 100 of my buddies and try to put one of those together. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, well, here in Florida, there's the... Uh, the only monolithic uh, stone structure that was built in, in, in the current era, uh, the gentleman that made that huge castle out of stone, and then he said he knew how to move the stones like the Egyptians did, and then he passed away before he passed along the knowledge. Makes you wonder, though. Makes you wonder if he passed away or some... Oh, here I go. Sounding. I probably should put a tinfoil hat on or some kind of government conspiracy thing before I say that the government got to him. So that yeah, makes absolutely. you wonder. So when we when we talk paranormal things, is is that the only interest you have? Do you have any interest in the ghosts or Bigfoot or any of that other stuff? Uh, yeah, all of it. Honestly, I'm 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 don't know a whole whole lot. Like I'm not an expert at anything, but it's just something. Don't worry, I'm not either. I just like I'm fat. I'm fascinated by it, and I'm always fascinated by somebody who has the same interest level that gets you started into talking about it all the time and you know I, I remember the days where I'm like oh that was fun and I, I can see it and that, then it starts consuming more and more of your time so I understand where you're at 
Yeah, I'm from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And in Louisville, I don't know if you've ever seen the old uh, tuberculosis hospital that's been in uh, uh, several movies, uh, documentaries where I guess so many kids were dying of TB back then that they were putting the uh, bodies on a, on a shoot. And there was like this whole host of uh, paranormal things that went on in the uh, in the hospital there. Waverly Hills Sanitarium, I think it was called. And there was one particular room where, like, a lot of paranormal stuff had gone on. Apparently, a, a woman had showed up in the front door and said that uh, one of the little girls had uh, misplaced her shoes, and they were behind the vent. And when they went and checked the vent, there was a small pair of shoes there. Uh, at Halloween, the guy that owns it puts on a haunted house, and he only left the haunted house in the, in the basement. But there was a group of uh, professional wrestlers that he left in the entire structure, and took us to this one specific room that has all this lore behind it. And I remember walking into that room, and uh, I immediately felt, like, dizzy, lightheaded. Not not too bad, but I could tell there was some kind of difference in, in pressure in the hallway to this room. I didn't see anything. It, it's uh, Waverly Hills has been on the, the Ghost Hunter shows, and I, I've seen on those shows where, like, uh, children, you can see shadows of children running in the hallway. But, uh, but I didn't see anything like that, but I definitely felt, just felt different. You know, I read a blog a couple of weeks ago that they're talking about turning that place into a uh, fancy hotel, for the lack of a better, or apartments or something. Would you would you, uh, would you rent one there? Well, the, the building structure is phenomenal, but it's like there's nothing there. There's no windows, no carpet, no walls. It's all just brick and, and stone. And uh, supposedly a lot of people were interested in it, but the... The, the stigma attached to the building kept a lot of people from, from wanting to purchase it. One of the local casinos that wanted to purchase it, but uh, nobody pulled the trigger. That's a lot of money to invest in a building that is not um, airtight, so to speak, with windows and other things that you'd think you'd need to put that much money into it. Because you're going to put that much money into even sealing it up. I, uh, that's why. Yeah. That's why I don't make these business decisions for people, but <laughs> so okay you've listened to enough of this stuff to know what's your thoughts on area 51 is it still viable has as are the government secrets really there or are they hiding them somewhere else in plain sight uh, I, I don't know I, I i would assume that they probably had them somewhere else by now but it might still be used because uh the, uh the rumors that you hear out of las vegas with the unmarked flights that go out there and the unmarked uh, buses and supposedly an underground connection between Area 51 and, and Las Vegas, which Las Vegas is like the most thing that's in sight. Uh, I know that it's, it's, it's used probably for what it used to be used now that it's more or less known to everybody that it's a secret base that is there but isn't there. It probably moved the structure to somewhere else or deeper underground. Yeah, I've heard different reports of, like, underground tunnels that you can, well, not you or me or anybody that's anybody. You'd have to be somebody who is somebody that can take their vehicle and drive across country. Or there's even, I see one wild claim of a, a bullet train from L.A. to New York that you can be cross country in, in minutes. But if there is such a thing... They shouldn't be hiding it from people because they could make a ton of money. But anyways, 
how much how much do you think the government this this will probably be where we get in trouble. How much do you think the government is actually hiding from us on these paranormal topics? I mean, I know they're hiding stuff from us, intelligence, you know, government, you know, between governments and stuff. But the stuff that really, I guess, it does make a difference. But anyway, so what do you think? There's really probably nowhere to tell. I mean, it's, the, the the depth of what the government hides from us is probably so deep that we heard all of the secrets and all of what was hidden in the place of our minds. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that, that, that Pandora's box could be huge. Yeah, it's kind of scary when you start. I mean, if we're talking about aliens and underground tunnels and secret aircrafts and secret buses and hiding people, I mean, we're – just in the stuff we're talking about, man, if that all came out, we'd be, I'd be blown away for sure. I know a lot of people would. So, so you, you, Waverly Hills, have you been anywhere else? Just kind of, I mean, I know you've traveled, I guess this is kind of a wrestling question, kind of a paranormal question. Have you went anywhere else on a paranormal quest, so to speak, while you were out on the road? Not so much the, uh, the paranormal stuff. There was one incident. Uh, I was listening to Coast to Coast one night, and I don't remember who the, the guest was, but the gist of the story was aliens inhabit human bodies and walk amongst us. And the guy that was on there said he was in a uh, restaurant. said he was sitting there, and, and in his mind he thought, not, not aloud, he thought, if there's anybody in this restaurant not from this planet, please make yourself known to me. And the guy said within minutes, a woman walked by, stopped at his table, took a little curtsy, and walked out the building. <laughs> so uh, I heard this program, and I was actually at uh, Disney's Epcot Center. And uh, I'm walking around Epcot Center, and just randomly throughout the park, I said that in my head, not aloud. If there's anybody here not from this planet, please make yourself known to me. Maybe four or five, six times. So, uh... I'm standing in line for a virtual ride at the Epcot Center, and this virtual ride is a test track. It's a, uh, my fiance and I are sitting there waiting to get on this futuristic ride where you build a, uh, a car, a race car, and then you actually get to test drive it. You get to, uh, give it like super handling and super speed and super aerodynamics and then test your strength driving it on, on a course, all, all virtual. So, uh, Behind us are these two younger gentlemen. Maybe one's 23-ish, I don't know, dark hair, a beard. And the other one looked like he was younger, maybe 21, blonde hair, uh, no beard. And his face to me looked so, like, blank and just, just no life. And he was the one that was at each – there's these little checkpoints you go through to build your car. And the younger guy was the one that was on the, uh, the computer module just – typing away, building this futuristic car, and the other guy was just talking his ear off. Now he stopped. I didn't see the other kid talk, look at the guy, act like he was there, anything. The other guy just talking, talking, talking. So we get to the, uh, the end of the line, about ready to get on the ride. The two guys are behind us. The younger guy hadn't said a word, hadn't blinked. The, the older gentleman talking to him. We're next in line, and I hear the guy say, I don't know if he said it to me or the other guy, but he goes, there are seven species in our nearest galaxy. Two of those are underwater species. The door on the right opens. The usher pushes, pushes us in as, as I'm processing that. 
I look at the guy, the door shut, and we take off. I never saw the guy after the ride. Well, that makes you really wonder about things, doesn't it? Jeez. Seven. I mean, I don't know if these, if these two guys were just talking, like, about that or if that was a message. I, I don't know. Well, it's a strange coincidence for sure. I don't I don't necessarily – I mean, you're at Epcot. You're talk, I think you'd be talking about cars because you're getting ready to build one. And For that, the topic I – mean, it, 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 it was a futuristic car, and then, but it was just the way that these two guys interacted with one another. The older guy looked like he was almost telling the younger guy what to do. As if this was a, a spawn or a, or, or a youngling or, or something, and, and he was just taking orders. It was just it was the weirdest thing. Yeah, I, I can't imagine being in that place, looking at these people, and then hearing that and going, that's not right. And how long did it take you to actually come to grips with it, what you heard and what you were seeing? It was just, it was just weird because like we were literally on the steps of the ride going in, as I hear that in, in, in my ear, and I'm like trying to process the door shut, and boom, we're off. I get off the ride and see the kids ask for it. I can't. I can't. I'm sitting here. I'm baffled by it, and it's your story. I can't imagine how you felt about it. So I, I guess that you probably haven't done that since. Ask if anything. No, I I, no. occasionally I was doing it in the airport, but I haven't got anything. I can't, Stella. Once is probably enough. I couldn't imagine doing it again. I'm, you're braver than me for even attempting it to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think it's, I just think it's fascinating, like. If there is an underwater species like 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 the the, the uh, mermaid or the aquatic mammal theory, maybe that's true. Yeah, I mean, underwater makes more sense to me than above ground because I was just talking about this how we've kind of overdeveloped the planet, but underwater, I mean, we've barely scratched the surface of what's in the water, so. Mermaids are fascinating. Loch Ness monster. Any number of, maybe even Bigfoot goes, I mean, can turn into a fish, I guess, for the lack of a better word. So, there's something out there, I hope. It's all interesting to me. When, whenever we would wrestle up in, the, up in the northwest, I mean, it was so heavily wooded and so not populated as the east coast. Well, a Bigfoot could be anywhere. <laughs> so, did you went... Looking, did you go looking then, or were you just as you were rolling uh, through, no, I mean, going I mean, from we, town we, to town? Yeah, we would drive from town to town, and I remember uh, professional wrestling superstar Mark Henry told me one time. He looked up there and he goes, "You know what? He's out there." I said, "Mark, what are you talking about? Mark's like 500 pounds, strongest man in the world. You know that Bigfoot's out there. I know it. I mean, it's it's, it's nothing that we ever like really went after to look at, but we just uh, be all around the world and and hear at least." In the parts of the world that you're in, there's something paranormal, something alien, something Bigfoot kind of happened. It's just intriguing. So, I've got a question. I've got this totally horrible question, but I want to ask you anyways. Mark Henry or Bigfoot? Who wins? Oh, I don't know. Mark Henry's the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. I don't know. But, but Bigfoot's supposed to be anywhere from six foot to eight feet tall and, and superhuman strength, so... I don't know. Oh, come on. You do know. You just don't want to admit well, Mark it. Henry, <laughs> Mark Henry picked me up and slammed me before. He, he, he's pretty strong. I haven't seen uh, 
I just seen the footage on the Bigfoot, so I like to go with the devil I know before the devil I don't. That's right. And if anybody has a scouting report on Bigfoot out there, we'd forward that to – oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, when you were out riding around the because your your events are later in the evenings, did you ever look up in the sky and wonder if there was anything out there, like UFOs? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I wrestled in uh, northern Manitoba, way north in that, Manitoba, and we were on that's a, out there. <laughs> we were on a road literally for three hours, a, a gravel road to this one small town, and I think you mind or gas or something, but there was no no street light. There was no building. I didn't see another car, nothing. Just gravel road for three hours. And I remember we stopped on the side of the road, and I looked up, and I saw more stars than I've ever seen in my life. Just the huge band that you hear, like, the uh, the, the, the ancient Mayans talking about. The, and just so many stars. It was brilliant. Yeah, I can't imagine because, I mean, being that far remote and just seeing with no natural light because anywhere it seems that you get – I'm from western Pennsylvania, so even getting out as far away from civilization as I can get, there's still it, – it's cluttered by trees, and there's no high place to get up high enough to see as far as you can see. So it's just – it's got to be special to see, and then you start playing those mind games. What what am I missing? How many How many eyes are looking back at me right now kind of deal, and makes you really wonder. Well, I, I- I lived in Phoenix for a brief time, and uh, I didn't see the, the, the Phoenix lights that you hear about, but I knew a lot of people there that, that, that said that they had. You know, a whole fleet of, of something flew over Phoenix, and people had videos of it and saw it, and, and it was there. But uh, I, I didn't get a chance to see anything out there, but definitely makes you wonder. Yeah, there's so many different stories, and as you you said, you've listened to Coast, so you probably hear them all the time more than I do because I'm sleeping during that show. But uh, of different people seeing <laughs> different things. But and, it, and the funny thing is, it doesn't seem like you you mentioned the Phoenix Lights, and you know, I, people in Florida see them. So it's not like you go to Phoenix to see them. You can see them pretty much anywhere. Which I don't is that a good I'm I mean obviously it's a good thing. Except for the people that like to drive tourism, but <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, back to the ancient alien things. So or I guess we're both kind of in agreement that they're not so ancient, they're still all around us, but not helping as much as they used to. I think they either they were here and they're gone or they've been here the entire time. And maybe we just can't see them, we don't know it. I, I don't know, but it's just so many things in, in history that are unexplained or are explained by something that, to me, doesn't sound like it, 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 it to be true. You know, I, I grew up in a, I went to Catholic schools my whole life, and I had the Bible uh, beat into my head. But here's some of these things, and then there's a different view on it, but maybe it wasn't a chariot of fire, maybe it was a spaceship. You know, it just really makes you think everything that, that we're told is true, Maybe it is true, but from a different perspective. And when you said literally beat into your head, never mind. That's a bad bad joke. <laughs> I've heard those old Catholic stories. Actually, I went to a public school, but the teacher I had one time used to teach at a Catholic school, and he, he showed me how he used to discipline children who weren't paying attention to him by cracking the knuckles with the, the metal edge roller. 
And that's probably the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. So I I appreciate you being – that's probably why you're in a wrestle. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so I got, I got a beautiful private message from Dr. Kim, who's down in Florida as well. And I'm supposed to ask, what's your favorite paranormal show on TV right now? That you're in, like you, I know you mentioned Ancient Aliens, but is there any other that really catch your eye that you set to DVR? I mean, literally, when I lay down in bed at night, I'll, I'll look at History Channel or Biography Channel or a whole block on my on my cable system. If there's anything, you know, unexplained UFO files or, you know, Roswell Mysteries or something like that, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. But Ancient Aliens is like the show that I, I, I would definitely tune in to see. But I enjoy watching all of them. I've recently got into the Ancient Aliens, the Hangar One, the, the UFO shows, because I, I started out as a ghost hunter, so that was kind of my niche for a while. But now I've kind of pulled back the pulled back the veil and started looking at everything, and it's kind of, I don't want to say fun, but it makes me think, and I, I have to turn it off at a certain point, because if not, I, I'm up all night just thinking about different ends of things. So. Absolutely. The, the first time I was George Norrie on, on Coast to Coast, I mean, I was driving home from, driving to Louisville from Birmingham in the middle of the night, and it, like, flipped me. I, I came home, and I, I was just, like, wired. I just the, the, the thought, I think the first show was something about, uh, there was a, a government uh, person on there saying that he had proof that we've been out beyond our galaxy with, with, with men and with spaceships and all kinds of stuff, and it just it blew my mind. It was so, so intriguing. I had to learn more. I had to find more, and, you know. Driving throughout the night cross country is just uh, that's a radio show that I, I, I enjoy tuning into. Well, it's like the only talk show that's on at that time of night too. So <laughs> absolutely, it, it aids in a bed set. And, and Dr. Kim also wanted to know. Well, she asked a bunch of questions, and I'm only going to ask a couple of them because, well, we're almost to a break. Do you believe in angels? So, so what again? Do you believe in angels? Absolutely, absolutely. Have you ever seen one? Not to my knowledge, but it's just a feeling that you know angels are, for me at least, that that you know angels are there. I mean, I feel like there can be aliens and paranormal and all that stuff, but there just has to be some some good energy. And and whether that's an an angel or just a, uh, you know, Good energy of life versus the bad energy of life that, that, that draws you in. Just, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever seen one, but it's just a, a feeling that I have that they're definitely, definitely real. In your car, speaking of which, on the go, don't want to miss a single show, use the TuneIn Radio app. You're listening to the Mauer Report on KGRRadio.com, and we'll be right back.
Race Ops here with KGRA. You know, all of this technology today was supposed to make our lives easier. But if you ask me, it hasn't. Just the opposite, in fact. Absolutely, it contributes to stress and fatigue. Do you feel tired all the time? Well, let me tell you about our new sponsor, Power Vites. Power Vites is a complete multivitamin mineral formula designed to naturally boost your energy. This multivitamin goes right to work fast. It maximizes absorption due to its unique acidophilus base. This is not a multinational pharmaceutical. The Green Turtle Bay Vitamin Company has been producing Power Vites right here in America for over 20 years. They are nutritionists, making the world better one customer at a time. They produce high-quality products in small, fresh, potent batches and ship directly to you to order. Click on their banner on the KGRA website or visit energywave.com. Be sure to put KGRA Radio in the referral box. That gives us credit and you vitamins. Increase your energy with Power Vites. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge. Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. You read about UFOs, strange creatures, and ghosts. You watch videos about them. Do you know how to investigate them? Chase Plesky does. For 20 years, she's been Indiana Jones and Laura Croft rolled into one. The real hunter of Bigfoot, ghosts, and UFOs. She goes everywhere, from remote woods to ghost-infested buildings to the highlands of South America, hunting down strange things in our world. Now she's written a book to show you how it's done. Co-authored with UFO researcher Richard Dolan, Chase lays it out. How to prepare, what to bring, interviewing witnesses, doing a stakeout, handling evidence, and documenting it the right way. Get Admissible, the field manual for investigating UFOs, paranormal activity, and strange creatures. Learn more at richarddolanpress.com. Also available on Kindle. This is Jimmy Church of Fade to Black. May arrives soon, and with it comes another contact in the desert. So join me in Joshua Tree, California, for the third annual Contact in the Desert Conference being held May 29th through the 31st. 2015 brings another awesome lineup of speakers, including publisher of Legendary Times, Giorgio Sukalos, New York Times bestselling author David Wilcock, journalist and conspiracy expert Jim Mars, former head of UFO Project for the MOD, Nick Pope, investigative reporter Linda Moulton Howe, author and contactee Travis Walton, UFO historian Richard Dolan, and many more. You don't want to miss this. Fade to Black and KGRA will be there broadcasting live May 29th. Just visit contactinthedesert.com for tickets and information. That's contactinthedesert.com. It's not a lifestyle we chose. We were born this way. KGRARadio.com.
Welcome back to the Mauer Report on the Global Radio Alliance, a new knowledge for a new world. My guest tonight is Nick Dismore, or popularly known as former WWE superstar Eugene. Now, for all you wrestling fans who have stuck through the paranormal stuff, I promise we're going to get into some of his uh, other passion, career, whatever. So what made you decide that you wanted to pursue this as a a career? I mean, obviously you probably had some interest in it and could do it, but what made you want to actually pursue it? I mean, I've wanted to be a professional wrestler since I was about eight years old. I saw a Saturday night main event when I was a boy. I saw Hulk Hogan. I saw the Iron Sheik. I saw Hillbilly Jim. Oh, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff. And it just, from, from a young age, it just mesmerized me. I liked all the pageantry and the athleticism, the colorful costumes. And uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, at high school, there was like the uh, pep rally. I was a football player. And uh, at the pep rally, they said, Nick Dinsmore wants to be a WWE wrestler when he grows up. And uh, a girl came up to me and said, well, my dad owns a wrestling school in the next town. And I went to this guy's wrestling school, and uh, it just uh, I saw the ring, and I saw the, the local wrestlers, and it just hooked me right away. And there was, uh, that, that school was Ohio Valley Wrestling in Louisville, Kentucky, and the, the man who ran it was Danny Davis. And he became my trainer, and that's where I, I learned the craft. Um, I started wrestling in 1996. In uh, 1999, Ohio Valley Wrestling became the farm team for the WWE, where they would send their inexperienced talent to learn the ropes and, and, and uh, polish up their skills. And when WWE contracted with them, I, I was hired uh, as a WWE superstar. And I started on TV in 2004. Um, I remember I was sitting in a meeting with uh, Vince McMahon, and I was nervous. And I didn't know what to say. And Vince says, I want to get back to character-based wrestling. And I had this idea for this character in my head, but I didn't know who the character was, and I just spit it out. I said, what about a character that's kind of like Rain Man? He can't, he can't tie his shoes. He can't put a square peg in a square hole. But the minute the bell rings, he can do what he saw on TV flawlessly. Vince goes, great, start on Monday. Stone Cold Steve Austin walks in the room. Vince goes, Steve, have you ever seen this guy wrestle? Steve said, no, and I told Steve who trained me. Danny Davis helped Steve Austin many years back. Austin looked at me and goes, I've never seen him wrestle, but I know he's one of the best. And with that amount of confidence, that's what started me on TV. That's just crazy to think about how being at the right place at the right time with the right person walking in the room who knew how you had been trained, just all the stars aligned just right in that time. And you were on TV for quite a uh, couple of years, right? Because I remember watching yeah, you on, on TV. Yeah, I was on TV for about five years. Um, after my TV run, I, I wrestled around the world. There, there's infinite amounts of independent wrestling companies, you know, all over England, all over Europe. Uh, I wrestled in India. Um, I wrestled in South Korea for the, for the American troops in, in South Korea. I mean, I've, I've, I've done so many things, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I was, I was in the right place at the right time and very fortunate. And uh, I had great trainers to, to, to learn the craft. But it was, you know, an incredible ride. And I'm, I'm just enjoying to see what the next part of the ride has for me. I was going to ask you where, where your favorite place to go is, but I don't even know if you could answer that. Wow, you know, I lived in the Philippines. 
I wrestled uh, in, in South Korea. I wrestled in Japan. I wrestled in Australia, France. I wrestled in, uh, <laughs> I wrestled in Scotland. You know, I mean, really, uh, the, the, the fans overseas are so excited in American wrestling and American wrestlers that they've seen on the WWE. It's just uh, they treat professional wrestling in other countries um, like a, not so much as a sport, but just a bit more honorable. It seems sometimes in the United States, unless you're a major WWE star, it's still kind of a uh, tongue-in-cheek wrestling company. Uh, but overseas, it's, just, it's phenomenal, and, and crowds all around the world are great. Yeah, I was gonna say it has to come with a certain stigma, though, for some to some people. Just of course, just like the paranormal, it comes with a certain stigma to people, though. So, at least wrestling, at least it's not offending people's religion most of the time. <laughs> I can't imagine. So, okay, I had my buddy John ask me a question to ask you, even though he's he's vacationing with his children tonight. He wanted me to ask you this question: Do you have any weird? Before you ring, before you enter the ring, superstitions. Um, not not really, honestly. I mean, the Eugene character is like a character that's like a little bit disheveled and a little bit crazy, and and uh, I, I'm I'm really just I just gotta get warmed up a little bit and just break a little sweat. But I have no real like I, I don't have to lace my laces a certain way or put my tape on a certain way. I mean, it's just the the, the art form of professional wrestling is very subjective. And I like just going out there and having a good time. You know, I'll, I'll listen to the crowd in the matches before me and kind of see if, if they're a lively crowd, if it's, if it's mainly families, if it's mainly kids, if it's mainly, you know, drunken college guys or, or, or whatever it is. But uh, no no superstitions that I have to do. Well, that's disappointing. I was hoping you had a great story about having to to chew seven pieces of gum backward. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, Hulk Hogan, right? Apparently okay. Hulk Hogan has to... He has to wear uh, either a particular pair of red underwear or red underwear whenever he flies. He was in an airplane once that went down, but he survived, and he wore red underwear. So ever since then, wherever he goes, when he flies, he has to wear red underwear. Well, that's something I did not know. I'm not sure I wanted to know, but now I know it. That'll come up somewhere in my life, and I'll be glad I know it. Um, Well, for all the travel, I mean... I mean, I'm assuming the travel is probably the least exciting part of it all, going from city to city. I mean, you get to be with the crowd and do do what you love, but then after it's over, I mean, you're there for a day? How long are you normally in a city before you move on? I mean, it depends. When, when I was traveling with the WWE, sometimes we would fly into town, we would go straight to the show, do the show, drive straight back to the airport and fly out. But wrestling independently, sometimes I get to spend a couple of days and and see the sights and meet the people and, and taste the food and, and experience the culture. And, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, I'm very fortunate that I've been to live this life. So, uh, as you were saying, you, you wrestled at the, the highest level, I guess, the WWE. Um, anybody that you didn't get the opportunity to, to work with that you wish you had during that time? Uh, I, I never got to meet the Macho Man Randy Savage. I would have liked to have met him. You know, um, but I mean, I've been in the ring with Hulk Hogan. I've been in the ring with The Rock. I've wrestled Triple H. I've been at WrestleMania. I even wrestled and pinned Vince McMahon. So, I mean, a, a career like that, meeting all the people that I've, I've met, I've, I've met, you know, every childhood idol that I had, 
And uh, then, you know, I got the action figure. I got on the uh, I got the T-shirt. I was on the video game. You know, everything that I ever wanted, it, it, it came true. So now that you're doing the independent circuit, so how many how many days a year are you home? Or do you even have a, a place that you um, settle down to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrestling independently, I'm, I'm home a lot a lot more often than when I was traveling with the WWE. With the WWE, I might have been home two to, two to three days a week. Unless we went on an overseas tour, which could have lasted from, I think the longest one on overseas, I was on 21 days. Um, but independently, I, I might only be gone on the weekends. Maybe sometimes only, only gone three days a week. Okay. That's, that's be- I mean, obviously it's better for you because, you, like you said, you get to enjoy the town. But obviously the paycheck isn't better for you, but at least you get to enjoy life a little bit better. So I guess it comes with its drawbacks and its pros. So well, I guess... Would you be interested in going back if they called you? I mean, absolutely. Not that I have any swing with the company. <laughs> I spent the last 14 months as a as a coach for their current developmental system here in Orlando. Um, but just recently, have I become an independent contractor again, and I'm exploring the ideas of starting my own little wrestling school, wrestling company, and 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 you know, branching out and trying to become a. Uh, long uh, 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 wrestling czar myself, and you know, any those terms. Let's see. I'd be. I mean, be interesting. I mean, you've seen the one side of the business, but to see it from the other side would be interesting to try to come to grips with. I'd imagine. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've helped people run companies, but I've never like had my own. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited to be able to uh, call the shots, pull the strings. No, do it all. So I, I guess my one of my next questions becomes: You said mentioning that you were a trainer. So, if somebody was interested in just a broad based, what what would, advice would you give a eight year old kid today that may be listening that wants is thinking they want to be following your footsteps? I mean, today getting into the wrestling business today is, is is a lot different than when I started. Um, there's a lot of people out there that have training centers and schools that might not be uh, up to standard that others might think are, are any good. But if you can find a good trainer, I mean, the first thing I would tell a kid is, is go to college. I graduated from Indiana. I, I got my uh, degree in communication. The whole time I was training to be a wrestler, but I knew that if something fell through, if, if, if something happened, I didn't want to be without a degree. Um, I would definitely tell them to, to, to get their degree and just uh, the thing about a business like this is it's really a lifestyle and you have to devote 110% of your time. You have to live everything about it. You know, you can't you can't be a part-time wrestler and expect them, you know, to make it big. You have to take every opportunity and, and, and learn from everybody that you can learn from and, you know, just give it 100% all the time. So did you actually did you actually wrestle wrestle like the uh, Olympic style wrestling when you were in school? Yeah, yeah. When when I was in like the uh, the sixth grade, I wanted to become a professional wrestler, and I told the uh, the wrestling team. So I joined the, the amateur wrestling team. I, I wrestled from the sixth grade until I graduated high school, which is when I started professional wrestling. But uh, they were trying to teach me how to do double leg takedowns and, and cross faces, and I was wanting to jump off the top of the trash can and, and clothesline somebody like I saw the road warriors do. I can't imagine that went over too well with the, the coach at that time. <laughs> but, 
it was, it, 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 the coaches kind of went, but the kid that I was clotheslining didn't, didn't care for it too much. No, I can't imagine. So, on the road, okay, so when you're on the road, give me some, give me some, something beyond the road that I wouldn't know sitting at home watching on TV. How much work, I mean, I see, we see the two, three hour show on TV. How much work do you put in that day? How much, I mean, people have been joking in the chat room, is wrestling fake? Obviously, the physical contact of it isn't fake, but the storylines are built to entertain. Yeah, the, the, the professional wrestling business, I mean, the matches might or might not be predetermined. Most of the ones that you see on TV are predetermined, but the physicality and, and the athleticism is, is absolutely real. But for like a, a three-hour show on Monday Night Raw, the guys in the, well, the, the crew gets there probably 8 a.m. The wrestlers themselves might get there at noon, and doors open maybe 7 o'clock. So you got from noon to 7 to find out who you're wrestling, find out if you're doing any backstage segments, record those segments, um, whatnot like that. There's, there's so much that goes into it. Yeah, it, it seems so straightforward. You just kind of, everybody knows who what the rule is, and but it's not as easy as it seems to put that all together and have it look fluid and interesting and... All that stuff. I and, can't, I mean, I can't Im- and, and, and then the whole time it's a it's a live production. Yeah, which doesn't which uh, doesn't help because if if something a match goes long, I mean, well, I do radio, so if the show before me goes long, that means I have to shorten my show, and that kind of could throw your whole plan out the window. I'd imagine. Oh, that, that that's the worst thing. Let's say there's I think there's 16 segments on Raw. Or they used to, I was on the two hour show. I think there were 16 segments. And if somebody in the first segment goes long, they've got to immediately restructure the rest of the show, like right then and there, to make sure that everybody has at least enough time to get their uh, to get their business across in, in, in their segment. Now, when when you're out doing it more independently, now let's flip it to that. How much? I mean, obviously, you can't necessarily build the in-depth storylines that you would build for the TV show because you have the same viewers every week. So, how does that work? Um. It's a bit, uh, it, it's much, much less stress, but uh, I might do a, a, a video uh, from my house saying I'm coming to this particular town to wrestle this particular guy uh, on this particular day, and I can't wait to get there and see all my friends and, and fans, and they would play that on, on, if they have a television show, or if not, maybe on their, their web page or their Facebook page or something like that, but when you get there, it's 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 a much more intimate feeling because the buildings are smaller, the crowds are closer. I'll go out and meet the crowds and, and talk to them at, at, at my merchandise table and stuff like that, you know, as opposed to WWE where it's, it's they try to keep the wrestlers far from the fans most of the time. They might have meet and greets and stuff like that, but they feel if uh, if you keep the, the, the wrestlers separated, it makes you a bigger star. That's interesting. I, never, I mean, I was fully aware that it was hard, not necessarily hard, but there was a, a withdrawal between the, the wrestlers and the fan. I never really thought about it in that light. Maybe that maybe that should be my business strategy from now on. Just uh, don't talk to people and get off social media. Oh, wait, never mind. Anyways. It'd be, like the, know, uh, but... the Wizard of Oz. It'd be like the Wizard of Oz. Don't mind the man behind the curtain. <laughs> people know I'm addicted to Twitter. That's never going to change. Um <laughs> So, when you're out in these small towns, I, I can't imagine. I'm sure people. What's, what's the question that you get asked 
every time you're out somewhere? Um, on TV, my uh, uncle was Eric Bischoff. So one time ran WCW, he was on WWE. My, my on-screen character was the nephew of Eric Bischoff. And I get a lot of times, how's that Eric Bischoff doing? Got the uncle Eric lately, you know. Just, you know. Well, have you? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I probably, I probably saw him two years ago, but he's uh, he's afraid to talk to me because he knows if I see him, I'm gonna give him a fat lip. Uh oh. That's uh, that sounds real positive. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's wrestling talk. I'm, I'm gonna bust him in his chops. So okay. I see a bunch of different names scroll past in the chat room. Who do, who do you who who did you like to work with, or who do you like to work with now in the independent circuit? I mean, I'm sure you have favorite people to hang out with or be in the ring with. I mean, uh, like I said, I've, I've wrestled Triple H, who was phenomenal. I got to do a segment with The Rock. Um, I wrestled for a long time in Louisville with uh, a friend of mine named Rob Conway, who was tag team champion three times over. You know, I, I, I've been in the ring with a Scottish wrestling sensation, Grado, who's one of the best international stars I think I've ever seen. You know, I've had my fiance in my corner wrestling all over Australia. So, I mean, it's just, uh, I can have fun at any type show where other people might be like upset or discouraged or don't want to wrestle. Maybe there's not a whole lot of fans or the fans are quiet. Uh, I just, uh, it's just, this is what I've always wanted to do and to be able to make a career at what you love and what you want to do since you're eight years old is just like remarkable. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it, it's just like doing this, this, you you have to have the burning passion for it. You have to want to do it. If there's one person you could tell listening or hundreds, it's, it's got to, you just got to show up and do it. So I guess my next, my next question is, I just totally lost my train of thought. That was good. Um, <laughs> when you're out in the moment, and and you just when you're after you win a match, you you won the tag team titles as I recall reading somewhere on the line. Is there any feeling better than holding that belt or a belt even after a match? No, no I mean not really. To 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 get the victory, to hear your name announced, to hold a championship belt up in the air, to hear that crowd chant your name. I was in a battle royal um, on Monday Night Raw with all the huge superstars. And I came out, and the fans were chanting my name. And that was just, like, so unbelievable, you know, to be a a, a, a kid from, from the Louisville, Kentucky area, southern Indiana area, who who didn't – I'm not related to anybody in the business. My, my father didn't wrestle. You know, I was fortunate enough to, to, to live close to a wrestling school that I signed up for to get hired and, and to make it all the way to WrestleMania and have a WrestleMania moment in the ring with Hulk Hogan. It's just, uh, it's, it's just baffling to me. Yeah. I can't imagine. Cause you know, like I told you, I think at some point, no matter, as, no matter where you're from, you've seen it, you've at least experienced it either on TV or I went, <laughs> at one point I went to a live taping of, well, I guess a live broadcast of raw, just, I had to do it. It's one of those things on the on the list of things that. Well, I don't think it's on everybody's list, obviously, but it, it's on a lot of people's list, and so. It's just well, I've, one of those I've heard I've heard I've heard Vince McMahon say several times. Everybody might not be a wrestling fan, but everybody knows somebody that is a wrestling fan. 
whether it's, you know, I hear all the time, my dad and I used to watch wrestling. My my uncle and I used to watch wrestling. My brother used to watch it. My, my mom, whatever. Everybody, at least in America, knows somebody that's a huge wrestling fan. And and that is the connection that we have, wrestlers, with, with, with everybody. That You know, people might not watch it every week, but they know somebody that does. But then I'll get these people that will be like, oh, I never watched that wrestling. But I haven't been watching it last night, and this is what happened. And it's like they know everything that's going on, and they can tell you week to week what happens, but they never watch it. Boy, it's kind of funny having people like that with ghost stories. I don't believe, but let me tell you about this one time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you still watch it? Speaking of people that watch it every week? Um, occasionally. I don't watch it so much because uh, – the guys that, that I was training here in, in, in Orlando are not yet on the big show. And the guys that are on there, I know them, but I haven't invested the time. But once the guys that, that I'm watching start to get up there, these guys are really good here in Orlando. Once the guys that I helped out get up there, I mean, I'll definitely tune in. But to sit there and watch uh, wrestling for three hours on a Monday night, sometimes it's, it's a large investment that I I don't necessarily make every, every Monday night. Yeah, I don't understand why they want three hours. But anyways, Vince knows what he's doing and – Hey, Advertising it, dollars, brother. Advertising dollars. And I'll throw it out this way. If Vince wants to come on and explain it to me, he's more than welcome. <laughs> oh, you're throwing down the challenge. You're throwing down the gauntlet. There it is. <laughs> I know. And the odds are he'll never hear this, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> of course, we said great things about him otherwise. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, but I, mean, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, go ahead. If you look at people, if you look at people like like Vince McMahon that are that are visionaries, I've heard that Vince only sleeps like four hours a night. You know, guys even like Walt Disney that just had a vision that was almost like so far beyond its time. Vince took a a small New York based company and then dominated the the, the world with it. When when other people in the wrestling business said there's no way anybody could do it, because at the time there was a lot of competition. And Vince just put on a product that was better than everybody else and had bigger stars and the production and just the, the, the amazement and the awe of, of his product was, was so far ahead of its time, you know. But what, what gave him that vision? You know, what what drives him at, at 65 years old or however old he is to, 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 to show up to work each and every day when he doesn't have to? The guy's a billionaire. Yeah, that's you what know, just, as like, you were saying that, I'm, I agree. Well, I mean – what keeps that passion burning? He could sit on a yacht somewhere and put his feet up. And and the passion to take it from, which like you were saying, from zero to multi-billion dollar corporations is kind of, I wish I I wish I had that. I mean, I have it's, some it's, of that, but. It's just a, it's just a, a thought that you know it's going to work. You don't know how people might tell you it can't work. And that's kind of the way I feel about like, me as a, as a wrestler growing up, I knew I was going to be a wrestler. And that's what I wanted to do, and I was driven to do it. And, and nothing in my life have I ever been as driven to do as pursue this passion, pursue this dream. I don't know I don't know where that fire came from, but, you know, I, I could spend countless hours talking about wrestling, wrestling, watching wrestling, discussing wrestling, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, other things that, that, that I could have pursued just, just didn't, didn't intrigue me like that. Well, Nick, it has been a blast. We'll have we'll catch up again about something somewhere down the line, I'm sure. Um, you know where to find me if you come across something great. And if I have any wrestling questions, I know who I'm asking from now on. So be prepared. Absolutely, absolutely.
Well, thanks, Nick. Have a good night. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate your time. As I wrap up this 200th show, I want to thank Nick. I'd be remiss if I um, didn't take a moment and, and mention a good dear friend of mine who passed away yesterday or Sunday, I'm not exactly sure when, who would have just loved tonight's show. She was all about independent wrestling and wrestling. Um, did some blogs for me years ago, was a former guest. Uh, Ashley, I, I'm struggling here. Again, uh, done tribute shows to people in the past. I'm not sure if I'm going to do one to her. Uh, either way, if I do, if I do it live, if I do it some other time, I just want to mention it on the live show that uh, I've I've lost another important person in the history of the show. Uh, you'll hear another one coming up here, Scott, who took the time to do something for me when nobody else would, and uh, that's why it's still part of the show. And uh, then I had CJ who... Even in the early days, back when the show was very raw, very horrible, he kept taking the time to tweet me every time after the show and tell me, you could do this, you could do that, but otherwise, you were doing good. Um, so I, I just want to thank everybody. I don't want to end it on such a sour down note, but be be very careful and take time to thank everybody and honor them the best way you can. So. That's what I want to say. Well said, wanna... Jim, and congratulations on your 200th program. And it's it sounds like a small number race because you know Jimmy's done, Jimmy Church has oh, done 250, but he does a weekly show. Coming in day, I mean, like I, I was telling Nick, 202 of 208. There's a commitment there that most people don't get, don't see, and I don't take the time to explain it. But I wanted to I want to do that. So. Jimmy pointed out last night he's not live, but Race has promised me more Jimmy Church. And I want to thank everybody who took the time to listen to the Maurer Report tonight, airing exclusively live. KGRA, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. The Global Radio Alliance. To email me, Facebook me, Twitter me, visit TMR 24-7. Big thanks to Race Hobbs, the staff of the KGRA, all the rest of the hosts. Thanks, Nick, for having me on earlier. The members and everybody that took an hour out of their week to listen to me. Thank you. Until next week, keep quacking. Before we flip that on-air sign to the off position, a quick reminder. For all things about the report, previews, and reviews, go to italkparanormal.com. It's the Mallard Report. Yeah, the Mallard Report. The Paranormal Talk Radio Show with Jim Mallard as your host. See what lies beneath any paranormal activity. Go inside a world that others don't want to see. The Mallard Report. Yeah, the Mallard Report. That's italkparanormal.com. Get connected with Take-Two Radio on Facebook or Twitter at Take-Two Radio. For email updates on future shows, follow at Blog Talk Radio. For previous episodes, upcoming guests, and more, visit Take-Two Radio.com.